0: welcome to the Frogcast. This June looks a lot better than last June. It looks a lot different on the recruiting trail as well as what's going on on campus. Recruiting is heating up and we are going to do a deep dive into it on where the Frogs stand here in the 2021 season as they are building up the 2022 class. We'll take a sneak peek into who may be next on terms of in terms of commitment and uh, do a little glance at Big 12 Media Days which will be here before we know it And that means the season will be here before we know it. That and a whole lot more, especially listener questions, on this episode of the FrogCast. Jeremy, you doing all right today, my friend?
1: Absolutely. How's everyone else doing?
0: It's 97 here in Memphis, so not too bad. Not too bad. You know, it's kind of like hell. It's not the heat, it's the humidity.
1: (laughs) We got a nice little rain over here in Parker County this evening, so cooled down quite a bit we're down i think we're down to around 82 right now
0: can't beat that daniel how's everything in alito texas
1: uh it's good um
0: i haven't gotten any rain but it's cooled down to apparently 79 so we're doing nice well i know everybody wants to hear us talk about uh, talk about the weather. So let's let's dive right in. Uh, Jeremy, I alluded, to it, I alluded to it in the introduction. You go back to June of 2020. Uh, all recruiting on campus had been shut down. Coaches could not go out on the recruiting trail. And let's be honest, we were all kind of questioning in the back of our head, are we going to have a football season in 2020? Turns out we had a football season, but recruiting as we know it came to an end. All that changed on June first. What we would call the longest dead period in the history of recruiting um, kind of came to an end. Take take a take a glance back. What does what does June of 2021 look like compared to say the June of 2020? And how has the staff responded to recruiting opening back up in the way we know they want it to be?
1: Well, I mean the biggest difference is you have kids on campus. Uh, last year at this time, you, you couldn't have anyone. Uh, In person, Uh, coaches couldn't even go out and visit, and that was still the same for 2021. They they still couldn't go out and do spring evaluations at high schools, but uh, it it was a big change for them to get kids back on campus. I think it was huge for programs nationwide, just getting back to a little bit of normal normalcy for them. And for TCU, they've had four official weekends, I think, overall uh, between official visits and unofficial visits. From 22, uh, uh, 22 prospects, I think they're probably in the range of 15 to 25 kids, maybe, and and, and maybe that that gaps a little bit, a little bit closer, maybe to 20 to 25, uh, 2022 prospects. And they've had uh, a high number of 2023 20, kids on campus as well. They've obviously had camps, which is something they couldn't do last year. They've had uh, four four uh, camps. Uh, eight total, four days of camps, the, the O-line, D-line camps, and, of course, the skills camps. But so much different. Uh, I mean, you get a chance to get eyeballs on some of these kids in person. Uh, some of the film, you, you watch only watch so much film, but you still need to eyeball some of these kids, get them in front of you, see how big they really are, see how fast they are, see how well they compete, and just them having an the opportunity to get back to – Normal is, is huge for them. I think they've, they've enjoyed it, actually.
0: One of the questions that came up on our board, uh, what's the difference between an official visit and an unofficial visit? I know this terminology gets thrown around like we're all recruiting experts, but, you know, the compliance department is uh, who knows how, how busy they are. Their, their books that they have to live by are, deeper than, are thicker than the IRS. What's the difference between an official visit and an unofficial visit from the perspective of the recruit as well as the staff?
1: Uh, to put it the easiest way I can, an official visit is a visit where the school's actually paying for the prospect to come in. Um, they, they treat them to a hotel. They pay for the cost of travel. If if they're from far away, they buy their plane ticket. They fly in. If they're driving in, usually uh, whoever's driving gets some type of per diem uh, for the mileage um, that they, that they drive to get to campus. Uh, they roll out the red carpet, they roll out the red carpet and other aspects too, but they really, uh, provide a lot of, a one-on-one time and, and really just it's official visits. just everything's paid for, for that particular prospect. I've always been asked, do they pay for the family and everything else? No, they don't, they don't do that. They're only able to, uh, according to compliance, pay for the prospects. Unofficial visits are basically everything's getting paid for out of the prospects, family's pockets. So if you're driving all the way from Kansas, TCU's not paying for your gas money to get down there. TCU's not going to pay for your hotel to stay overnight. So um, usually you get those unofficial visits. It's it's from kids that are close by. You don't have to drive real far. But TCU's done a good job of getting some of those kids in town uh, on unofficial visits, and I think it shows a lot of interest from some of those kids to. To and their families to to put those costs up front and let their kids kids see the see the program.
0: So an unofficial visit is just like you're a senior in college and high school and you're looking at colleges. So like when I was in senior, my uh my ba- my three backup schools behind TCU were Harvard, Stanford, and Yale. And so I had to pay to go visit all three of those. And TCU I went and visited, but I got into <laughs> TCU so I didn't have to settle for Harvard, Stanford, or Yale. Is that sound yeah. right? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. My parents, I hope they're not listening.
1: <laughs> oh, well, it Be looks bad like the, for them.
0: I know. Yeah, I feel bad for them. I don't, I, I, I could not get in. I went, I had a friend that went to Harvard high school in Illinois, which is this tiny little town in Illinois. And they had a t-shirt that said, I graduated from Harvard and you didn't. So I thought that was kind of fun. <laughs> oh no. Oh. Uh. So let's go ahead and take a look we're getting some traction on the recruiting trail let's talk about a delicate subject because you referenced they're not able to get their eyeballs on a kid up close the frogs had a commitment that uh, decommitted and I know that those are always kind of touchy subjects to talk about so as delicately as you can before we get into who is um you know who what hay is in the barn what players are committed walk us through the decommitment that took place and maybe a little backstory that you can talk about
1: well it's Am I echoing to you guys? No,
0: not at all. You sound great. You look That's great. That's weird. You sound great.
1: <laughs> I keep hearing myself. No, I up. hear it. You hear it, Daniel?
0: Well, I did. It went away.
1: Okay. Well, C.J. Nelson decommitting from the Frogs wasn't a huge surprise. Uh, they they kind of expected it. The thing with C.J., he is a, he's, a, he's a good kid. He's a good player. And he makes a lot of plays for Richland. Problem is when you're playing in the big 12, they want you to be a little bit faster than the four seven. There's started to be some concerns when he, he ran the uh, 40 at the Under Armour combine and which those are laser times, but he ran a four seven nine. But I think the biggest, the biggest eye opener was the 11 six and the hundred meter. And even Gabe said on the board, when you run 11 6 that's that's going to cause some concern now again he does have some good film he makes uh productive plays he had he had a good season last year in seven games i think it's going to be a good get for smu now if you're looking at tcu and the in the way they play their slots they usually like their slots to be 10 5 10 4 guys tay barber darius davis jd spillman all those guys are much faster than your your 7 uh, guys so typically it, it they want a guy that that can move the chains and also also uh, beat defensive defenses vertically, and that's just something CJ wasn't going to be able to do. He wasn't he wasn't a speed guy. He asked, "Why did they take his commitment?" Well, obviously that's a big thing. Like I told you earlier, Jeff. Some of these guys they see film, but when you see him in person, maybe they're not as big as you thought they were. Maybe they're not as big as their head coaches told you that that the kid was. Um, obviously, there was three different recorded times. Where CJ didn't run as fast as they felt he should have ran, and uh, you know that in those cases you you look at the kid and if he's getting interest from other schools, maybe you say, hey, you know, maybe maybe consider those schools a little bit more. And uh, you know, in the end, it's going to work out for both of them. SMU is getting a good receiver in CJ, and TCU is going to be able to recruit other receivers, and they just got a huge one in Matthew Golden, who I think is going to be one of the better receivers ranked in the nation. Uh, especially in texas um, once we see the rankings go up here in the coming months
0: well let's go ahead and do a deep dive the frogs have landed three commits here in as the open you know as recruiting has begun to open back up they can get kids on campus they can give them a tour of the campus you reference matthew golden he's currently the highest rated player highest ranked player in the frogs class for 2022. But it looks like he is going to shoot up the charts here as more guys get eyeballs on him and the people entrusted with evaluations can kind of huddle up here after the summer seven-on-sevens are over and all that stuff. Walk us through what Matthew Golden brings to the table as a wide receiver for the Frogs as well as uh, how he has kind of shot up the charts in terms of everybody's interest in him because I think the Frogs are going to be in a fight to keep him, not because uh, he's not interested at in TCU, but everybody's going to be on him.
1: Yeah, the the seven on seven down at College Station this past weekend was the first time I had a chance to see him in person, and man, physically he is put together. He he is a a, a big kid. He's at least uh, six foot, probably between one ninety 190 and one ninety five right now. Was kind of running around on a on a injured knee. It wasn't too bad, but you could tell it was uh, hurting his cutting ability. And and even the players on the on the uh, Klein Kane sideline were joking around, telling him not to plant with his knee and anything. But when he decided to make plays, I mean, he really outshined a lot of guys. And I think Gabe did a story today where Gabe named him the alpha dog of the entire tournament. And you're talking about over a hundred and some odd teams out there with over a thousand kids. And you're talking about a kid that just made play after play for his team, including a couple of them that I got on video. He had a, a great catch on basically a jump ball, uh, on a Hail Mary pass, he jumped over Denton Geyer's defensive back. And one of those guys, or actually, he jumped over two of them. And one of those guys was a four star in Peyton Bowen. But uh, TCU's really excited about him. He's a fast kid. We talk about speed. CJ ran 11 6. Matthew Golden is like a 10 8 kid. So 10 8, 10 9. And the thing that I like best about him, he, he's not only physical, he can run a little bit, but he catches everything. I mean, this kid, catches literally everything. He has some of the strongest hands I've ever seen for a receiver. And he does a great job of not letting the ball get to his chest. If it's a contested pass, he's gonna he's gonna win that battle, I would say nine out of ten times. He just he just does a great job of shielding defenders, using his arms, strong hands, catches everything. Frog's got a steal. I mean Gabe, Gabe was just like raving about the kid. And all of us that were down there each of the guys that covered different team sites for 24-7, we were just all talking about how good Matthew Golden was performing and and how good he looks physically. So I think the Frogs would be okay with losing CJ when you replace him with a guy like Matthew Golden because I think Matthew Golden is going to end up being uh, a pretty highly ranked kid at receiver.
0: You know, the College Station 7-on-7 is one of the best um, gatherings of talent, not only in the state, but in the country – Uh, You were down there covering that. Tell us a little bit about what happens. You hear a lot about, you know, seven on seven is year round. People go to seven on seven to evaluate, to get better, to make a name for themselves in front of like evaluators and and reporters like you and like Gabe. What's it like being there for the College Station seven on seven? And uh, walk us through a little bit of that experience.
1: It's hot. It's hot and it's hot. (laughs) I mean, it's.
0: And there's nowhere good to eat.
1: (laughs) You know, College Station gets a bad rap. Um, by by the older generation, because it you know myself, I don't think I could live in College Station, but if I'm a young 20s guy, I, I think I could live there and, and, and go to school there. It's not a bad college town. Um, it's grown. It's actually gro- grown quite a bit. They've got a lot of different stuff down there now. Uh, college Station and Brian's kind of growing, but it's it's a good it's a good thing. Uh, I, I, we look at all the seven on seven that they do during the spring. All these select seven on seven teams and. You're talking to a guy who had a daughter play club volleyball for, for years, and I understand the whole select uh, team um, when it comes to different sports, whether it's baseball, soccer, and seven-on-seven seven is kind of becoming that type of thing when, when it comes to football. Um, I, I don't think you typically see kids get recruited a lot out of what they do on seven-on-seven, on seven, but I do think it's a great chance for them to garner themselves some exposure. If you're down there watching state seven on seven, you're watching all these teams. If there's a kid that really sticks sticks out, you're you're gonna follow that kid. And you typically don't see in eleven man football one one kid completely take over a game. In seven on seven, you can see that happening. You can see a receiver just completely dominating a game where he's uncoverable. Um, no one can cover him. Short pass, long pass, or quarterbacks that are Throwing darts all over the field, DBs that are making play after play—it's a great chance for them to help their teams and and not only help them get a championship but get exposure for themselves. And Matthew Golden did exactly that. I think everyone knew who Matthew Golden was going into the tournament, but the way he played um, each day that he was out there just exceeded a lot of expectations that everyone had for him. Everyone, including myself, because I like I said, I'd never seen him in person. But after I saw him, physically, he checked checked the box. Route running, definitely checked the box. Strong hands, hands, checked the box. I mean, he he did everything um, that he could have done to impress me. Now, he has to put the pads on and do it on the field. But if you go back and look at what he's done the past two years, he's done it on the field already, too. He's had big years for Kane the last uh, two years as a sophomore and junior. So there's a lot of players that kind of come out of nowhere that, they they may not be names that, that you're well aware of at the moment, but by the time the tournament ends, you follow them. I mean, there's the the kid that was uh who was the running back for Texas that fumbled like Keontae Ingram. Keontae Ingram, when he played for Carthage, no one knew who that kid was besides maybe Gabe Brooks, because he's from Carthage. But he goes down seven on seven and he has a great, great tournament, and next thing you know, he's starting to get recruiting interest. Everyone starts offering him, and he's he's a pretty much a no name and becomes one of the top running back prospects in the nation. Those kind of tournaments you, you tend to see that happen with, with some of these kids that you don't know a whole lot about, but by the end of the three days you're talking about them and next thing, you know, they're starting to tweet out that they got certain offers because everything is word of mouth these days. If you have a kid that is impressing you, everyone, everyone out there has some type of connection that they can pick up the phone, text a number And next thing you know, this kid's going to get a little bit more notoriety than what he had previous to College Station.
0: Matthew Golden is the only commit for the Frogs right now from the state of Texas. So let's talk about another young man that has committed to the Frogs, defensive lineman out of Alabama, Trevon McAlpine. Uh, He's from Alabama, three-star defensive tackle, coming in at about 6'3", 280, uh, Tell us a little bit about what, what the Frogs see in him and what he's going to be able to contribute, as well as how the Frogs were able to reach into Alabama to attract someone. And maybe maybe this might be one of those that if he has a great senior year, it could also be another kid we're going to have to fight hard to hold on to.
1: Yeah, this this is a really good under-the-radar prospect. Um, they were really high on him when they started recruiting him. Obviously, came in for an official visit. And I thought even more of him. He... he passed every eyeball test he could have had. He was uh, legit 6'3", 280 pounds, um, built uh, as a solid 280, wasn't 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 a fat 280, uh, as some people would say. But he's one of those kids that I think is going to fit TCU's defensive system perfectly. Uh, he's very quick off the ball. He's got great agility. And he's one of those players that if you if you follow his recruitment for the next few months – like you said, Jeff, he could have a, a big senior season. You're going to start to see some of these teams creep in and try to get a hold of them, especially with TCU uh, being where he's committed to because everyone knows TCU is a good defensive school and Gary Patterson produces defensive players. The I think with Alabama, them, them getting down to uh, more of the SEC country, I, I think with them landing players like Trent Battle, Last year, TCU's getting a little bit more notoriety in that part of the country. Uh, They've got some good connections there in Alabama, there in uh, Mississippi especially. So when when these coaches down there in that region start to find players that they feel could fit TCU's system, they're going to reach out uh, to those coaches and and tell them about the kids that they have down there. And and that just kind of happened with Trey because they weren't really recruiting them and someone brought uh, TCU – someone brought Trey to their attention. And they started recruiting him and liked what they saw. And obviously, that he had some other schools going after him, West Virginia, Arizona State, Colorado. And and, uh, surprisingly, I think he might have even silently committed when he came in for an official visit, but just went ahead and took his other visits um, just so he can get his visits out of the way. And and the good thing for TCU is he's taken four official visits. So if you do have a season where – he starts to blow up and more teams want to come in. He's only got one official visit that he can take now. And, uh, that's big for TCU.
0: That is big for TCU. So we'll see what it, see how the frogs are able to hold on to him. I really like his tape. I really like his talent. I think he's going to move up the ranks a little bit as the season goes on here in the fall. All right. The frogs did land a, a a Juco commit from snow college. Um, I'm going to butcher the name. So just correct me when I'm wrong, Jeremy. Uh, Tavita Noah, tight end out of Utah. Uh, this was one of those that re- when, when he committed, it got onto the board. Everybody's like, where did this come from? I don't know anything about him. And at the same time, you are really high on him. And obviously, the staff is really high on him. Uh, we may be becoming tight end you here, by the way, that we're uh, attracting and developing him. But uh, tell us a little bit about his uh, recruitment and his commitment.
1: Well, if they didn't know about him, they didn't read my top performers list because he was the alpha dog at one of the camps they had. I can't remember which camp it was, if it was June 13th or June 17th. But Tavita is a great kid. Um, Man, he's got a great story. It was funny because when he was coming out of high school, he was actually an offensive lineman. His team that he played for in high school ran a, a wishbone offense. You remember what wishbone is, right, Jeff?
0: Oh, I absolutely do, yeah. man! You got uh, veer right, veer left, uh, veer right. Twenty-five counter. It's uh, it's it's big boy football the way it used to be, or Barry Switzer football. <laughs> I was a shutdown exactly. fullback. I was a shutdown fullback in the in the wishbone in Iowa, FYI.
1: <laughs> well, I wasn't big,
0: ran, but I was slow.
1: He ran the wishbone, and or his team ran the wishbone, and he actually was a was a tackle. And Snow College was really his own his only offer, coming out of high school, and I think what he did was just take a year off because he he really didn't know what he was wanting to do, and so finally he enrolled at Snow College this past year, and, and he he got in shape, he lost some weight, got quicker. He's he officially measured in at TCU at 6'3", 250, and he ran a 4'7". Um, the kid has giga- Holy gigantic gigantic hands. Yeah, he has he has gigantic hands and he catches everything. At two fifty, running a four seven, he moves extremely well. Now a lot of people they look at it and they say, Well, who's this who's this kid? He's no one. We didn't get anyone. I've seen a lot of tight ends at TCU this this summer, including one that committed to Michigan State. He's better. The the fact of the matter is Tavita has only gone to one camp this summer, and that was TCU. So, once he went out to TCU, shine like everyone thought he would. And Andrew Mitchell had a, had a big part in getting him down there. Um, the analyst over there at TCU now and former Snow College head coach. But uh, they they just fell in love with him at the camp. But you could just see the coaches gravitating toward him. And I talked to him afterwards. He's a really nice kid. And just the fact where where he's going, where, where he was two years ago to where he's going to be in December, he's going to... Uh, get his AA from sn- uh, snow in December, and he'll be on campus at TCU by January. And when they're losing a guy like Carter Ward, this this kid can block, but he can also run route. He can line up out in the H and, and run routes. Uh, the Frog's got a steal here. I, there's no other way to put it. Juco guys usually aren't ranked very high, and I don't think we're going to see him r- get ranked very high, but trust me on this one. They, they got a really – really good player uh, with him committing to the frogs.
0: Yeah, Juco guys are not going to light up the board or move us up the rankings, but at the same time, when they hit, oh my gosh, they hit. Do you remember a young man by the name of uh, Jason Verrett? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm not saying that's what it's going to be, but 6'3", 250, 4'7", that is dangerous numbers. I do not want to have to line up and stop that, so... Well, that's kind of a recap of the guys that have hit the board here just in this month since recruiting has opened back up, getting kids on camp, officials, unofficials. Uh, In the words of Jeremy Mockens, who next? Who are four or five guys that we need to keep an eye on? I know that you have posted on the board that we have several commitments – or that there are several players that are going to commit in the next few weeks that could be committing anywhere – I know that you have a vacation scheduled, which means we'll probably get three guys on um, that will commit all at the same time while you're pumping gas at Bucky's and Abilene or something like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but what, what should, if w- without the tip in the hand, what should frog fans and addicts like ourselves keep an eye on over the next two weeks as recruiting may be heating up?
1: Well, I feel that they're, They have a really good chance um, to add at least three guys, maybe four guys within the next uh, two weeks, Um, this week and and all of next week, which that's pretty good um, considering where they were about a month ago, especially after C.J. Nelson decommitted. They were down to uh, Cade McConnell. And uh, the guys I've talked about on the board, um, Jay Fair, Chase Biddle, Sheridan Wilson, uh, Joseph Adedire. they're they're really they're in really good positions for a lot of those guys, and and I think the guy everyone wants to know the most about is Chase Biddle, and we spoke with uh, Chase Biddle. Uh, I know myself and Jason Howell both talked to him at the same time, and I know a, a few other guys talked to him while they were down there in College Station, and it was pretty much a consensus that everyone felt that TCU was. Definitely leading for his for his services, and I asked him straight up, and I and I mentioned the story that when he tweeted that July seventh, I asked him, "Hey, that July seventh is that? Are you announcing your college decision that day?" He said, "Yes, sir." And I said, "You know, that's that's what I figured." And then later in the conversation, he starts he's talking more about some of the schools, and I joked with him, and I said, "Hey, man, it almost kind of sounds like you have your decision already made. Is that?" Is that fair? And he said, "Yes, sir." So, he may already have his decision made. I feel really good about TCU's chances here. Um, I've I've started to feel really good here within the last two weeks. Um, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of factors working his in his decision. His mom likes TCU. Uh, Chase loves Coach Patterson, loves the defense, you know, likes the academics at TCU, and most importantly, it's it, it's close to home. He gets a chance to play. Uh, At a school that's known for developing defensive backs, a history of uh, sending those guys to the NFL. And if he gets homesick, he's an hour away from home. He can, he could always go home. Jay Fair is one of his closest friends. And uh, I I think, especially if Jay's looking at TCU, he's looking at Florida, and he's looking at Auburn, he's visited all those schools. Jay has always been extremely upfront. with, with naming TCU as one of his top schools, he's always told me that they're, they're up there because of Malcolm Kelly and the relationships he's built with with the coaching staff. Uh, and I and I feel no different. I, I still feel confident, but until he comes out and commits himself, I really don't know what, what he's going to do. Uh, he hasn't said, he, Jay's not one of those kids unless he's tweeted something within the last couple hours and I just haven't seen it. He's not really one of those kids that is going to go out there and say, my decision's coming on, blah blah blah. He's not—he's not really big into social media. Doesn't like a whole lot of attention uh, upon himself, and not—not not because he—he's—he's he's awesome. I mean, he—he he is a great kid to talk with, um, but he just doesn't like that attention, and that—that's what makes me think he's even more of a TCU guy because those are the kind of guys they recruit. Chase Biddle's the same way. Chase is extremely friendly and and personable when you talk to him in person, but he's he doesn't like to really talk about his recruiting and really about himself if you're just texting them or trying to get them on the phone um he doesn't he doesn't really do a lot of that but uh I mean I, f- I feel really good about those two I feel really good about Joseph Joseph visited again this past weekend it was the second time on campus since uh they were allowed to start getting prospects on campus on June 1st a second time and Zarnell uh, Fish has built a really good relationship with him. He's kind of a, a tweener top, could play in, could play three tech. I think he's going to end up more of a three tech. Um, but when you look at defensive tackle recruiting for TCU, they've, they've al- already got uh, Trayvon McAlpin, and they need at least two or three more because they're losing four seniors and they could possibly be losing another guy if Sonny Misi Mies- uh, graduates and, and he decides that he may be done. So you're looking at at least trying to add uh, three to four defensive tackles just so you can have your roster full. Um, and when Joseph looks at that and he understands that playing time could be there if he comes in and competes, and he's another kid close to home, that's it's another one I feel pretty confident about. Now, I'm not going to put in a crystal ball yet for him, but I still do feel uh, pretty good about TCU's chances. Sheridan Wilson, I mean, TCU needs... Offensive lineman. Uh, I hate to bring it up, but they lost They lost out on George Malley and, and Alvin Ibacelli. Uh, Alvin Ibacelli was one of those kids where I felt they did a, a really, really good job of trying to sell their program to him. And back in February, when I first talked to Alvin, I would have said there's there was zero chance that TCU could have landed him. There was no chance at all. And after he visited, he admitted that he liked TCU a lot better than he thought he was going to like it. And I thought the Frogs had a really good chance, but Baylor was always one of those teams that was always high on his list. And he spoke very highly of them from the very beginning. And this, this past weekend he takes an official visit there and obviously the bears did a good job of selling him and and their program. And uh, he committed there today. So TCU has got to find a way to get the big guys up front and, Sheridan Wilson is one of those targets that they've been heavily pursuing for a long time, kind of quietly pursuing because I haven't talked a, a whole lot about Sheridan until uh, here recently in the in the past couple of weeks. But uh, Jared Anderson has done a, a great job of uh, you know communicating with him, building that relationship. They've got Jasper Lot on campus, an Argyle teammate of Sheridan's, and I think Texas Tech is going to be the biggest obstacle there. Uh, I believe he might have taken a official visit to texas tech this past weekend but there's a lot of names up there that um, i'm hearing i haven't mentioned on the board i've teased about it a little bit they feel good about another defensive tackle i'm not going to mention this name on here either so you guys will just have to wait and i i'm not going to say that the frogs are going to flip Jalen gilbo because I, and listen i'm not saying that at all but I th- I think after seeing a report that Mike Roach did that he's still going to keep his options open, I still think that TCU could be one of those teams he looks at. Now, again, not saying he's going to flip the TCU, but I, I still think they they did uh, make an impression on him when he did come in for a visit. So just some names to keep an eye on. It, it's it's going to be an interesting July, to say the least.
0: It will be an interesting July. So maybe by the end of uh, maybe a week from today, we the Frogs could possibly have a few more uh, commits and then 10 days out. Who knows? We just it's just who knows. So if I understand correctly, Jeremy, on July 1st, we go back to the dead period where there are no uh, uh, official visits allowed on campus. Is that correct?
1: Well, it's already started. La- oh, okay. Last, last night at midnight. Started last night at midnight. OK. Yeah. or Tonight, tonight at midnight. Okay. Earlier at midnight. I don't know how the heck we want to say. Sunday at midnight. Yeah. It's, it's we're started. dead right now. The
0: dead period we're is dead period right now. Yes. Yes. and yes. so we do have a few more camps in late July. Is that correct? July 30th. July 30th. And I
1: and I, I think the dead period ends around July twenty-sixth or twenty-eighth, one of those days.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see how things unfold because we'll get that one last weekend to camp. And then the next thing you know, it's uh, fall Fall camp is here. The, the practice, practice will begin as we get ready for what will look like a fairly normal 2021 season to the best of our ability. We are praying. One of the signs that things are uh, coming at us in terms of football for the fall is Big 12 Media Days is not all that far around the corner. Jeremy, you've been there to Jerry World for the Big 12 Media Days. You got your credentials, you got your press pass. You're going to be there at Jerry World.
1: I do plan on being there.
0: What if? What do you think you might hear if you were to say run into Jerry Jones? You know, the the <laughs> owner, the CEO of the Cowboys. What what do you think he might sound like if he ran into one Jeremy Clark?
1: You're trying to mess with me tonight.
0: I am. I am.
1: <laughs> um hello Jeremy, you want to come over here and report for the Dallas Cowboys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, he he would you would gladly leak all the information he gave you, correct?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: You would gladly do it just for a spot in his luxury box.
1: Uh oh. I'll well, be like, called- "Hey Jerry, t- Jerry told me. Jerry <laughs> told me this."
0: <laughs> I heard. I heard out at Valley Ranch. I don't even know if Valley Ranch is still there. That's what it was when I lived down there.
1: <laughs> I have I have heard that they're only allowing two players from each program to represent their schools. And I believe Max and Oshan are gonna be the representatives for TCU. Okay.
0: Well, we'll see how uh see how all that unfolds. I was thinking about kicking seeing if I can get down there for a day or two and um tag around, but don't think it's in the works. Well, we got a ton of questions from the board. So we're going to do this. uh, Jeremy, don't filibuster. Get straight to the point here. I'll try to give some feedback where I can. I'm going to try to hit every single question that I can from our board. So here we go.
1: All 75 of them?
0: No, I'm going to skip over the bad ones. So we might get like 10, we might get 10 of them in. All right, let's start with the basic one. The Frogs landed a wide receiver that they didn't know if he was going to get here, and he is here. Tell us a little bit about Quincy. I'll
1: tell you this much. I was driving back from College Station on Friday, and I got not one but two phone calls telling me Quincy's on campus, and he looks really good. Um, Obviously, he needs to add some weight, um, but he's really fast, and he's going to be a kid that's going to compete in the fall. not for a backup position either. Um, the X, I mean, all, every every outside every outside receiver should be ready to to compete. That's what I was told.
0: Quincy Brown coming in—that uh, was quite a steal. How did the frogs find him? Did everybody just think he wasn't going to qualify and kind of backed off?
1: Yeah, is um, it? Uh, gosh, you're testing my memory here. I've had COVID since then. Um. I'm trying to think, Jeff. I, I know that a lot of teams backed off because they they had uh, reason to believe he wasn't going to qualify, which he probably wasn't. Um, as a 2020 recruit, he in, in fact he was headed to JUCO to to go play ball for two years, then and then try to get somewhere else. But thank thankful for COVID, um, the JUCO season was pretty much a wash. And they decided to play in the spring. So Quincy got smart, and whoever was telling him said, "Hey, you know, you don't have to go to a JUCO. Why don't you just go back to Destrehan, and you can figure, you know, figure everything out and finish finish some of the classes you didn't have, and you you won't be able to play football, obviously, but you can still be at class and and uh, you can graduate and 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 get everything done, and that way you don't have to go to a JUCO. So he did everything he needed to, and. Got got everything completed just uh probably about a little over a week ago and and got to TCU early uh, or late last week I should say and it looks like uh, again you you have these guys in different different parts of the the nation that will tell certain certain people certain coaches about uh, a kid's background and obviously TCU did the research just like they did with Adam Plant uh, another kid Jaquay Sorrels. And it just seems to be like the the last few years, TCU's finding these these kids that were originally a part of a, a different class end up signing with a class that's the the, the next year. So uh, Quincy's another one that I feel like they're going to have a lot of success with. Yet Savion Williams, that was kind of injured off and on last year, had had COVID issues as well. Um, but you're bringing in a guy that. From when I was told, looks about six five right now, uh, and has a lot, a lot of speed. Um, one person told me that he may be the fastest kid they have uh, on the outside. So that's that's pretty huge, and uh, I think a lot of people already expected him to be pretty good. And the only reason I think he was ranked where he was, he was a four star, but I think we had him at fifty five. And the reason why I think he was ranked in the fifties and not higher up in like the twenties or thirties is simply because a lot of people didn't feel he was going to qualify. And so I think that has, um, that that sometimes has an effect on your recruiting rankings. So big time still, I mean, it's going to work out great for them.
0: This is the best collection of offensive skill talent. I have ever seen the frogs assemble ever. So that leads us to the next question, Jeremy. Give us the five starters on the offensive line, and what percentage of improvement you think that will be from 2020
1: to 2021? Why TCU people always want to talk percentages? I'll just tell you that's going to be it's going to be improved. Um, left tackle is going to be easy. I want to say left guard. Hmm. That's a tough one because it could be Harris or Lance. I'll I'll go with Lance. Center is going to be Avila. Right guard will be Harris. Right tackle will be either Coker or Coleman. But Coker, I saw at one of the camps here recently. and He looked pretty good. So I'm going to go with him for a while.
0: You know, I feel pretty good about that line. I don't see any reason why that line can't win 10 games. So I will I will set the percentage at 36% improvement. 36% improvement. <laughs> Sound good? Go for it. Uh, Jeremy, you mentioned in the past that there were a couple of guys that may have been on the edge academically but needed to take care of business over the summer. Uh, anything you can say? Not that I want to sit here and talk about 19-year-old's grades but because I didn't want to talk about my grades at 19, but anything of note there?
1: Well, the the guys that I mentioned before they they've been on campus. Um, I've seen I've seen them at least three times this summer, so it appears like they're trying to get get things handled, and hopefully they do, and they end up getting to s- stick around for a little bit.
0: Well, I'm glad they're still on campus. Hopefully, they're getting everything sorted out.
1: This hour long. This hour long podcast. Out of all the stuff we talk about, these kids will be the first people, the first things people ask about.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. Uh, Offensive line recruiting. Who are two guys the frog frog fans should keep an eye on that the frogs are targeting to get into the that we haven't brought up yet that they're trying to get on board.
1: Well, Sheridan Wilson that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Seth Martin, the recent offer, I, I like that kid. Not a lot of people know about him, but he he performed really well at TCU's camp, and uh, he he could be a steal. I really think so.
0: All right. TCU is 0-2 against Kansas State and West Virginia since they changed head coaches following the 2018 season. Will TCU beat either of these programs this fall? Let me answer that. Yes. 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 Yes, they will. I can give you that answer right now. The Frogs will win in Manhattan and beat West Virginia here in Fort Worth. So I'll I'll go ahead and put that one to bed for you right now, everybody. Don't you agree with me? Absolutely. Is new TCU head baseball coach Kirk Kirk Sarlos going to be the next Gary Patterson of TCU? I'm going to answer that with yes.
1: What do you think? TGS a baseball team? I'm oh. just kidding. <laughs> yes, he will.
0: Hey, I hear Kirk's North Carolina—they a, Carolina, they a baseball dude. team. Did you hear about North Carolina State? I hear they have a baseball team.
1: Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. am a big fan of Mississippi State right now, though.
0: Oh yeah, I'm not. Huge I'm pulling fan. for Vandy. I'm pulling for Vandy.
1: No, I mean, I just, I just like the fact that Mississippi State played well a couple of days ago.
0: Yeah, they did. They did. They did. Um, who's going to be the backup quarterback this fall behind behind Max?
1: I think Chandler will. He just needed a, a little bit more time. I mean, he didn't know a whole lot of the offense of the spring. Um, but if you look at arm accuracy and, and speed and, and what TCU asks out of their quarterbacks, I think he has the best chance at being number two guy.
0: Okay. But
1: any notion that feel like, he was going to come in and beat out Max. Oh my gosh! Just, just get rid of it now.
0: Just stop it. Just yes. stop. You know, go sit down.
1: Max is QB one, no matter what anyone says.
0: I hear there's some uh, quarterback controversy in Fort Worth. Jeremy Chandler Morris is on campus.
1: Yeah, that's what people hope, but they're that's not going to get their wish.
0: No. We're riding with Max or Alex Delton, either one of them. I'm fine with. <laughs> uh, all right. We don't do Vegas on here, but Jeremy, the oh, the Vegas line for TCU is over under at seven a half seven and a half. Which Slow. of those are you gonna I'm gonna pound the over. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna pound the over on that. I don't care how much juice is over.
1: I'm going nine and three still. Nine and three or ten and two. I still nine. think that I still think think that trip to Ames. In late November is going to th- decide who goes to the Big Twelve Championship.
0: I think so too. I think the Frogs got a loss to Oklahoma, and then they'll split Texas and Iowa State. I know I got hammered. I'm kind of high on Texas, not because they're back. I just there were three plays away from winning the Big Twelve last year. We just forget about that. Um, and you can say, oh, three plays are three plays, and they are three plays, and they and they play like crap against Texas Tech, but they were pretty darn good. Tom Herman didn't get fired because of performance. Um So yeah, I'm gonna go with the over though. Yeah, the Frogs will win more than seven and a half games. That is a that is an easy one. That is an easy one. Oh, here's some palace intrigue. You'll love these, Jeremy. These are our favorite questions. Is Meacham the true offensive coordinator or is it Jerry Kill and Tim Beck who answered to Gary Patterson? Who's got the keys to the Ferrari with all this talent on campus, Jeremy?
1: Same guy that called the plays last year, Doug Meacham.
0: Good answer. That's all I wanted to hear. Savion Williams, is he coming along all right, healthy? You think we're going to have a big season out of him?
1: They think will have a chance. Man, he's walking around. He's got the loudest uh, car, I think, on campus. Though he's got like a what are those one of those little Dodge Chargers. Yeah. Oh man, that that car is the loudest car on campus. So if anyone's listening, that's a student. You can vouch for me.
0: You can. I can vouch for you. Yeah. Uh, any- he's
1: walking around fine.
0: Okay. Good. Good. Anybody from the portal we got, we should keep an eye on? Is there, is there really an area of need more than a, a player? If the, if somebody hot hit the portal, who would we be going? What, what position would we be going after?
1: I don't know. I really don't because they, they filled a couple needs at linebacker yeah I think they'll be fine at corner i think um i mean if if you get a chance to get a quality offensive lineman as a as a backup guy, you may go in to one of those guys
0: yeah if we could get a three year starter at guard I wouldn't turn that down I wouldn't turn that no, down
1: I don't think they would either.
0: Can you elaborate on the Tony Wallace situation?
1: Not too much, um, but I did see him walking around up there.
0: Okay, that's a. And what about I'm, I can't pronounce his last name? Coach Patterson calls him um, Michael Obi Wan Kenobi. Any update on him?
1: <laughs> ah, man, I really don't know if he'll ever get back to playing the way he was before. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be, I mean, he's a great locker room guy, but I don't know if he'll ever be a player that TC fans are going to be able to see him out there making all big 12 or just really having a role to begin with. Mm. -hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, so we got a question here. We know Fitch is an incredible recruiter. Malcolm Kelly is obviously making inroads. Uh, and Jared, Jared Anderson has great connections in, in East Texas. Anybody else that you would think is an emerging talent on the staff when it comes to recruiting that's punching over their weight right now? I, I got to go Paul Gonzalez.
1: Yeah. Uh, PG does a great job uh, recruiting kids. Um, kids love him. They love that he's young. Uh, He's, he's real personable. He's a smart guy. Very, very football X and O's type guy. He's definitely going to be one of those kids or uh, coaches, sorry, that's going to be a head coach later in his career. Mm-hmm. And watch out for Brian Applewhite because Brian's he, – he's yeah. had a pretty good uh, recruiting, uh, I, I guess, 20 – I keep back going, Jeffrey. Turn your – you're, you're go on mute for a second, Jeff, because I keep hearing myself talk. There you go. My bad. Um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he's had Brian Applewatts, He's been a big part of uh, Jay Ferris recruitment and 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 Chase Biddle's recruitment. So if they get those two guys right there. You got to look at Brian Applewhite as being a big reason why. <laughs>
0: You know, I love our our staff and especially, you know, there's there's these things that are really defining characteristics. That a lot of them are young, a lot of them have deep loyalty to TCU. I love that we have a diverse recruiting staff um, in in terms of, of background, racial makeup, uh, where people are from geographically. I just feel like that the, the the recruiting staff and co- coaching staff as they recruit seems to have a lot to offer to to speak to the variety of people that we're, we're trying to recruit and bring on bring bring on campus there. So I'm I'm really high on all of these guys from 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 some older fellas like Anderson all the way down to uh, Malcolm Kelly Kelly and everything in between I think Patterson has built a heck of a staff to to recruit and develop you know we've always got development at the core of the program you know take a 3 star and put him in the NFL which is great but sometimes you got to go get a 4 star and put him in the NFL and I feel like this staff has been able that he's assembled has been able to do that it's just we need to accomplish it on the field here in the next season or two
1: I'd say the one guy that is has really impressed, um, not only recruiting, I mean, he's, he's a, a, a coach that a lot of kids I speak with, uh, talk really well about, um, they, they like his personality and that's Jeremy mockins Jeremy is, uh, one of the best recruiters on staff too. And the thing about him is he's getting some pretty impressive skins on the wall. He's got, uh, Jeff Gladney. That was the first round pick, uh, in the 2020 draft and you've got Hodges Tomlinson right now, that's getting all kinds of preseason accolades. He was first team, all big 12 um, pro football focus that considers him one of the top corners in college football. And you got to look at Jeremy Motkins at at developing him. I mean, Tomlinson was a safety in high school and he made the transition to corner. So not only can Jeremy recruit, Jeremy can develop pretty well, uh, pretty good as well. So, uh, I think that's going to go a long way when you look at uh, recruits like like Gilbo, um, a kid that came up and visited, even though he was committed, to, even though he is committed to Texas. Uh, you you look at just Jeremy Mockins getting him on campus and, and trying to sell TCU's program. I think when you when if you ask Gilbo that that's something that opens his eyes, TCU and, and, and Jeremy in particular developing cornerbacks, he's had a lot of success.
0: All right, last comment from you. It's not so much a question as I, I'd love you to share something. You put this on a board several weeks ago, so I feel like everybody that's paying to get it uh, would have already had access to it. You told a story about Zach Evans and what he is able to do after sprinting in the heat. Tell us a little bit about what you saw and uh, what you witnessed there on campus and how Frog fans might need to buckle up when it comes to watching Zach Evans' this fall. <laughs>
1: Well, I will say this before I get into Zach's story. Kendra Miller looks just like Zach as well. They're built the same way. And there's uh, people don't want to hear it because you're talking about five star Zach Evans and two star Kendra Miller. But Kendra Miller is is getting as much um, talk about him as, as Zach is. So there's it sounds like there's going to be a great one two punch. And DeMarco A. Foster, I saw him uh, last two, or two weeks ago, and he his spirits were way up. Looked like he was moving around really well. And so you might have a really good one, two, three punch. And Amari still there to do it all, to be the senior leader and, and, and do the little things that people don't really look at. But Zach, the way they do their off-season workouts, I, I just happened to be at one of the camps that day, and uh, the, the team was going through weight room, and then they go outside and they run, I, I want to say 2100s. And they were running 2100s, and they got done. And it just happened to be uh, the start of the skills camp. And there was only just a few people there. That it was the start of registration. So there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of people there. And and one of the coaches messed around with Zach, told him to go over there and do the vertical jump. And after working out, after running 2100s in about 95 to 96 degree heat, he jumped. Dang near forty inches. It was 39.5 is what I think it ended up being, and the guy looks like he has about one percent body fat. I uh, he, he's just shredded up, and, and like I said, Kendra Miller's the same way. In fact, I'm a st- I'm I'm i mistook uh, Kendra Miller for uh, Zach. One day, um, it it was crazy uh, how much they how much body wise they they look really similar, but. You, you go do that, run run all that time and all that distance. You still come in and almost jump forty inches. I mean, that's that's saying something. You you've got you've got a lot of strength and you've got a lot of endurance to be able to do that.
0: I think both of those young men are gonna make a big impact. The one two punch of of the two of them. And yeah, I, I kinda do want to hear it. I wanna hear about the two star that runs over people and I wanna hear about the five star that runs past people. So I'm I'm looking I will forward say, to
1: seeing Uh, I was told a story about Kendra where he, he can basically just stand underneath the the goal and just jump up and grab the rim. No problem. Just dunk it. So he's got pretty good ups too.
0: Sounds like a freak to me. I like that. Well, Jeremy, you have anything else for the good of the cause? We've hit about an hour here. Let's go ahead and wrap this show up. Unless you got any more uh, hot nuggets. We got every good, we got all the good questions answered. Um, Anything else you think frog fans want to know?
1: If you don't have any more questions, that's it. I apologize for the, uh, confusion every time you would, you would be talking and I'd say something back to you and I'd hear myself talk and I can't get through that, man. It's just crazy. So, uh, (laughs) quit putting, you're doing that on purpose now, Jeff. Now people are listening and going, what the heck is Jeremy talking about? I don't hear anything. Um, but yeah, if you guys listen to that, that, uh, crash and burn that I had several times this episode, I apologize.
0: Well, I, I forgive you. I promise that I forgive you. We appreciate you all. We appreciate your patience with us here in the off offseason. Uh, July will probably be a, a slow month, but man, when late July gets here and early August, we're going to be on here every week, ready to see you through the 2021 season, 2021 recruiting season, all the way through the 2022 class. Hopefully a bowl game we're playing in. In January of 2022, how does that sound? That sounds good to me. So for Daniel Southern and for Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. We want to thank you so much for listening to the Frogcast. If you haven't yet, go to hornfrogblitz.com, sign up. You can be connected here to TCU 24-7 Sports. It's a great way to get all the inside information, latest scoops, nuggets, and updates about what's going on inside and outside the program at TCU as well as all of the news on the recruiting trail. The names that we walk through today that could be committed to the next week one guy and probably one guy only at TCU is going to have all of the information on that, and that's Jeremy right here at TCU 24-7. Also, if you haven't yet, give us a rating or review um, on Apple on, on, on Apple or Google Play. We would love for you to subscribe to us. Let everybody know about this podcast. We appreciate you all in your consistent listenership. Thanks so much for sticking with us. So, Until we get back together again, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast.